Look, I'll level with you. The headlines about coronavirus this week have not been good. Earlier this week, on Wednesday, 157 new fatalities, the state's highest one-day toll yet, pushed California's fatalities above 8,000. That same Wednesday afternoon, Governor Gavin Newsom announced that 12,807 new coronavirus infections had been reported statewide in the past 24 hours. That's a record high. California now has the most confirmed coronavirus infections of any state, even surpassing New York. A lot of bleak reports this week. But today on the podcast, we're bringing you a story we hope you'll find a bit more uplifting. After all, Christina and I always tried to highlight silver linings wherever we could during a time where we think we could all use a little good news. Today, Christina is talking to Greg Garfield. Greg has often been referred to as Patient Zero after he checked himself into St. Joseph's Providence Hospital in Burbank after a ski trip in northern Italy. He would end up being the hospital's first COVID-19 patient. A short time after checking in, Greg's health went into a rapid decline, and the outlook for him was grim. But in the end, even after seemingly knocking on death's door, Greg would be a survivor. And he shared his story with Christina Pascucci. That was a sound of triumph back in May. The man who was given a 1% chance of survival stood up in defiance of the virus that nearly killed him as he left Providence St. Joseph's in Burbank. It had been 64 days. For the first 30 or so, Greg Garfield doesn't really know what happened to him. His girlfriend, AJ, fills in the gaps on how she and Greg's sister kept the faith. During those 31 days, we didn't realize his chances of surviving were literally pretty much nothing. Um, so some of those days, his, his sister, Stephanie, and I, um, she came live with me during that time. And we just woke up every day, keeping our vibrations as high as possible, dancing around when we were down, running or, or just laughing and being crazy, forcefully, like in our own beings, just trying to force that out of ourselves because it really wasn't how we were feeling, mm-hmm. but it helped. We begged our village to do the same. And thank goodness, you know, after 31 days of the biggest, most unpredictable roller coaster ever, he got off the vent. In a way, his life depended on that. We believed it. We believed it. And one of the biggest lessons I learned during that time was instead of being a victim and asking the universe why it was happening to us, instead we spun it around and we asked the universe and said, okay, you are so powerful. Show us what you can do. Maybe you heard his story on our news. Greg was patient zero, the worst case of his dozen friends who went skiing in Italy in February. His lungs collapsed four times. His body was septic. His kidneys failed. His fingers and toes turned black. And he was on a ventilator for 31 days. That last part, a feat in of itself, considering the high mortality rate. He, uh, he actually had said to his nurse um, before they put him, before they intubated him, that he was really terrified because he was afraid he was going to die. And she looked at him and said, right as she was going to intubate him, she said, Greg, I will not let you die. I promise. And actually, we spoke to that nurse a number of times. We had no idea that they had that conversation. And about 13 or 14 days in, when he was intubated, she said, I have a confession to make. She says, I feel like I might have promised him something I can't give him. You were called patient zero. Do you think if you were patient 100, the results of what you went through would have been different? Yes and no. Um, 
yes, in the sense that I probably wouldn't have had the um, the, the criticalness of of my fingers being um, being in the stage that it is now, simply because of the fact that they know a little bit more about blood thinners and things of that nature. However, I don't necessarily know that I would have survived being the fact that, um, you know, the attention was so great because the first seven days of being in the hospital, I was the only person in that hospital with COVID. Because he was their only patient that had COVID, we were able, the, the hospital was able to actually get remdesivir on a compassionate use. So it wasn't a trial. It wasn't like, oh, well, maybe he'll get it. Maybe he won't. And there was also a big window where remdesivir wasn't able to get any, you know, certain hospitals just weren't able to get it for their patients. So he was able to get that. And it's very possible, you know, we don't know, but it it could have been one of the reasons that the virus actually got shut down. It wasn't even until after Red got home that he found out what he had just been through. You know, when I came out of the hospital and sat down here on the couch, um, we had our, our first dinner and, and celebration was sushi and a tequila, yeah. which, you know, she looked fashion. at Absolutely. Yes. Um, you know, we, you know, she looked at me and said, would you, you know, do you feel strong enough to look at all of the text message, the videos, the pictures, the updates, um, and would you want to know about that? And the answer was yes. Since Greg's release from the hospital, we've learned a lot about the coronavirus in terms of treatment, though there is still much to learn about why it viciously attacks some people like Greg, who is a healthy and active 54-year-old, while others never show symptoms. So what transpired is something called cytokine storm. And what that does, I mean, I have a hyperimmune system, which is the best of the best. And I never get sick. If I get sick with a flu or a cold, 24 to 48 hours, I'm back, in, I'm back up and running. So what it had done, nine days into my exposure of the virus, it attacked my immune system in which my immune system attacked me. You know, my recovery as far as learning how to walk again, learning how to chew again, um, swallowing, um, you know, just getting up and going to the bathroom is like running a marathon. And now Greg must face a new reality without his fingers. While in the hospital, his organs were failing and weren't getting enough blood flow. Doctors gave Greg a life-saving medication, but it redirected the blood from his fingers to the organs, which caused his fingers to become black. Greg has had several surgeries to amputate those fingers, and there are many more ahead. I'm a very independent person, and my independence has been taken away from me for now. And, um, you know, with the surgeries that have happened with both of my hands being down at the same time, um, you know, I can't shower, I can't feed myself. Um, you know, I'm I, at this point when I just had post-op today, uh, my bandages uh, were done so that I could hold a fork. So I'm reliant on a lot of people and, you know, that doesn't sit well with me too often. Um, but at the same time, um, I, I don't get myself down too often, and um, I strive for nothing but success, and uh, you know, I will get my life back. My biggest lesson in everything is, is something I've always known, which is live every day to the fullest. Doesn't he have the most infectious positive energy and attitude? And he says because of his front row seat to the brutality of the coronavirus, he has a message. 
people need to take accountability for you know th- this economy shutting down again is directly in response to people's inability to follow instructions people are not wearing masks people are not being socially responsible and it's reflecting the results today uh we had or we were reported have the number the, the the biggest record for hospitalizations now i looked down at my hands and and it's a representation of what's going on out there the part that really blows my mind is how i think where we went wrong is that People are making this political and they are making it like the you know we're taking rights away from them it is my right to not wear a mask well we have laws out there that you have to wear a seatbelt to save your life believe me we have uh quarantine fatigue we want to get out just like everyone else wants to get out and um at the same time you know uh it's just we're just seeing and hearing about so many of these cases and surges and people not complying and then you've got everyone saying well how you know we need to get the economy going again and we need to get our businesses going which we completely agree you know greg business owner he he knows as a my business has been down 70 percent. the bottom line is this this virus is no joke we do not have a handle on it now and we as we as as people individuals and as citizens of the united states and, and, the, and the world need to be responsible to, to get ahead of this thing. Yeah, we need to step up and work together. Seriously, we've seen this nation so divided. It's incredible. Never, never crossing the aisle, shaking hands on the right things. This is the right thing for all of our health and our benefit that we are safe and take care of one another. And that the political part is not in the way, and we need to shove that aside and get the human part and realize what needs to happen for all of us to move forward. Greg realizes he was one of the lucky ones. While he was hospitalized, AJ got to know Amanda Klutz, the wife of Nick Corderas, the larger-than-life Broadway star who died of the coronavirus in early July. You know, he paid the ultimate cost, and that affected me even more with the fact of reality that, you know, I shouldn't be here, for lack of a better, as a medical concept. And... How am I different than him other than I, I beat it? Greg is very aware. He got a second chance, and that is why sharing his message is so important to him. He doesn't know when he'll feel comfortable being out and about. He isn't quite ready to venture to restaurants or far from his home beyond the many hospital visits that lie ahead, but he has reason to be hopeful. Less than two months after his near-death ordeal, he says internally he is almost at 100%. My body's phenomenal. Um, my hands aren't so great. So it's, you know, I'm under a reconstructive phase. Um, I'll send you some pictures of the most recent, the most recent pictures today that uh, I had my bandages changed from my third surgery as of last Friday, uh, today. And I have my fourth surgery scheduled next Thursday, um, of which there's going to be at least four or five more. My lungs are doing amazing. Um, I will get to 100% in the next nine months. Um, in regards to, you know, my walking is phenomenal. I, I mean, physically, internally, I'm at a hundred percent. When he was in the hospital, um, between his sister and I, we were really the ones to try to keep the vibrations high along with our village. That was our job. We ran that for 31 days, best we could. And people really held their weight and held their own. And now it's Greg's story. 
and it's his time to hold his weight and hold his own. And I will say as, as you know, being by his side every single day since he's pretty much been off the vent, he is doing that. He's holding his own. He's not a victim. He's victor. He keeps his head held high. He definitely has down days where he's frustrated, but in no way does it keep him from knowing that life is going to be incredible on the other side of this. We wish Greg a continued recovery. For more on Greg and this episode, visit our website, ktla.com slash coronavirusweekly. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at KTLA Podcasts, and Christina is at Christina KTLA on Twitter and at Christina Pascucci on Instagram. We appreciate those of you who have subscribed to the podcast and left five-star reviews on your favorite podcast apps. And don't forget to share this podcast with others. We'll be back with a new episode next week. Until then, thanks for listening.